Hey friends, I'm Christine Chapel, and you're listening to the Hope and Help podcast from IBCD, where we host biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. In this episode, we chat with Shannon McCoy about her mini book, Help, I'm a Slave to Food. For more help on the topics we discussed today, visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help, where you can access notes from today's episode and browse related resources from our digital library. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Shannon McCoy is a biblical counselor at Valley Center Community Church in Southern California. She has a Master of Arts in Biblical Counseling from the Master's College in Santa Clarita, California, and is ACBC certified. She is a retreat and conference speaker, author, and blogger at IBCD, as well as the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Hey there, Shannon. Thanks so much for joining us for the show today. Hi, Christine. Thank you for inviting me. And before we get started on our conversation, would you take a few minutes to share why you wanted to write a resource on this topic? Well, I was kind of forced to. <laughs> I uh, was in the ma- at Master's College uh, Biblical Counseling Program. We had to write a thesis on a topic that we struggled with. So this is one I tried to avoid. I tried to find anything else I could write about except for this. But it was very difficult finding resources on other things. So I thought, well, I guess I can do it on overcoming gluttony. Mm-hmm. So that was the biblical term for overeating gluttony. So that's how I got started digging into this topic. And so this was a personal experience, a personal struggle of yours? Yes, it was a personal struggle. You notice in the backpack of the book, one of the homeworks I give is to basically tell your gluttony story. So long story short, my story came out of the fact that I never had an overeating problem. My immediate family, none of us, none of our siblings or parents were overweight. And we ate junk and stuff, but we, no one was, was overweight. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't mm-hmm. until after I got married and my husband at the time had a problem with sugar. He was just uh, just addicted to sugar, just sugar, sugar, sugar. And he ate every time he was worried, nervous, whatever. And unfortunately, I learned that from him. Hmm. And I started doing the same thing. Like, for instance, before that happened, I could buy a six pack of Oreo cookies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could it's like ground little six, only six of them. I could put that in my desk at work and eat off that the entire week until years into the marriage. It wasn't good. It was stressful. So I started stress eating and it's like, give me a pack of Oreos. That's, those are down in like five minutes probably mm-hmm. or less, you know? So um, I learned that bad behavior of going to food to numb certain feelings that I didn't want or, you know, just to comfort myself in some way. So that's how I got to it. And I was kind of hooked in the, into that. And the Lord began to show me that that's not right. Yeah. Well, in the mini book, you talk about how we might view food as a lover. You know, you talked about how you turn to it for in times of uh, stress, for comfort. But uh, you, so you describe food possibly as you, we view it as a lover, but then you say that it can actually become a betrayer. So can you explain what you mean by that? I like to think of this as an analogy, like you're in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a relationship, you're attracted to this particular person and it's all love and dovey and this is the greatest person that's ever happened to me. But then uh, along the lines, it becomes toxic when he or she begins to treat you in a harsh way, in a physical way that's fruitful. And then there's a cycle of 
I'm sorry, you know, I love you. Okay, now we're good again. And then it turns on you again. So it's kind of food is kind of like that when food is great. God gave us gave us food to enjoy, not just to nourish our bodies. We are to enjoy it. But it comes a point where we cross the line where it becomes abusive. So that beautiful sweet cake or pie or chips that we like can be enjoyable in that moment as a snack. But then it becomes a problem when we begin to use and abuse that food for something more. Like I had a bad day at work. I'm so stressed. I just need to calm down and grab that piece of pie, that ice cream or those chips. And in that moment, you just feel better. But then what happens after that? You feel guilty and this cycle, just toxic cycle, just continues on and on. So in one sense, you love it. But in other sense, it betrays you. Overeating, as we know, can end in destruction. It becomes our God. Mm-hmm. It becomes idolatrous. It shouldn't be taken lightly. Like, oh, I just need to get on a diet and lose a few pounds. No, this is a spiritual problem because it is not only a spiritual problem, it's physical, it's mental, and it's spiritual. Because with physical, it can cause health problems, right? Right. right. Um, this is part of the it's betraying me. It's causing these health problems. And mentally, it causes negative thoughts about body image and self-hatred. Mm-hmm. You know, this still, this food, you thought this food loved you, but now it's betraying you. And spiritually, especially, that creates distance from God. And you become angry at God for not helping you out of this mess, for not allowing you, you know, to lose that weight. God is not stopping me from overeating. So that's how it can become a very toxic relationship. Well, even in our culture, I think overeating is sometimes, and you mentioned this in the book, sometimes presented as just a diet problem, as we just need to make some adjustments. But you actually point to the fact that overeating is a symptom of a deeper, more life-dominating issue. So could you help us understand how the Bible actually would give us language and, and wisdom for viewing our struggles with overeating? Yes, let me first mention Proverbs 23, verse 21 says, for the heavy drinker and glutton will come to poverty. So we know how bad it is to be an alcoholic, you know, to over drink. Well, God has put overeating slash gluttony in the same category. So it's kind of scary to think about glutton will come to poverty. Hmm. Well, yeah, because it's not just a diet plan. It is a life dominating issue. It is a life dominating sin. It has a strong influence over your life. It affects your mind, your body, your spirit, your heart, your emotions, your relationships, and even your finances. Think of how many diet programs we paid for, how many exercise programs we signed up for, or gym memberships that we signed up for and never used. It just consumes your life. So the sin of overeating, it is practiced repeatedly. This is how it becomes a habitual lifestyle, almost second nature, like a continuous action that just controls your life. You know, while you're talking there, it just reminded me uh, the word refuge came up and during our discussion talking about, you know, turning to food for comfort or satisfaction. I can't help but think of even in terms of alcohol. And I know I've written about this before, about for those who are sorrowing or experiencing grief, you know, turning to alcohol as a refuge can be deadly at times. Are you saying that it's the same way with food as if we turn to food as our refuge, it can be just as destructive? Absolutely, because Proverbs 23 tells us that it is just as destructive as alcoholism. I think that, you know, we don't think we see the immediate effects of what we're eating, 
for instance, um, I have a friend who would say she's a sugar addict. And when she fasts from that, her whole family notices that her mood is better. She's not as irritated as she used to be. Mm -hmm. See, we don't connect the fact that when I eat certain foods that's not helpful for my body, my mood changes and it affects those around me. It begins to, to affect my health. Like, why am I so bloated? Or why do I have these headaches? Or why are my joints aching? Mm -hmm. Or you think about, oh, I have a doctor's appointment, but I really don't want that doctor to say anything because I didn't lose the weight. But I want to just, I'm going to cancel that appointment. Or I have a, a reunion coming up and I didn't reach my goal weight. I can't go to the reunion. You know, this is how it dominates our life. So when we recognize, when the Holy Spirit brings to our minds that, wait a minute, you are abusing food, you are using food in place of God. And the way, a, a way that we know this is just with that example, I have an event coming up. Oh, I need to tweak my food. I need to fast, <laughs> eat nothing for three days, or I need to exercise my brains out so that I can lose these 10 pounds. That's an indication that overeating body image has a hold on you. It has to become a God, a little G God, and that is idolatrous. I was just going to say, you mentioned in your earlier answer, uh, and you called, you know, we were saying overeating, but you've used the term gluttony, and we've connected to that with this is a sin. But even from the world's perspective, some people would label their problem with overeating as a food addiction. And I think you even talk about this in the mini book. Maybe you can take some time to explain we're enslaved to these unhelpful, unhealthy habits. Yes, I, I, I love this particular concept because overeating really does feel like what we believe to be addiction. When we feel like the food is calling our names, when we just crave it all the time, we're thinking about it all the time. If you can imagine, I've never been an alcoholic. But if you can imagine what an alcoholic thinks, they think of drinking all the time. When they're done with one, they're thinking of how can they find another one? We kind of do that with our food. When we've eaten lunch, we're, we're already thinking about what we're going to have for dinner. And technically, there's a physiological thing that happens where sugar can be addictive like alcohol. So in that sense, you can physically feel addicted because there are actual chemical things going on in your body that can create that. Mm -hmm. But from a Christian perspective, we cannot label all oh, this overeating. I'm addicted as addiction because the danger in labeling it addiction is that it undermines the personal conviction of sin. If sin is not the problem, then you will look for solutions from a system of theories and not in the person of Jesus Christ. Just imagine that you go to the doctor and your doctor tells you, oh, you know, you poor thing, you, you have a disease and we're just going to find a way to cope with this disease that you have. You can't help yourself. Well, that's not exactly true. For instance, this is one thing I would say to the listener who feels like they are stuck and they can't get out of it. It's like, how, how do you dare say this is not a disease? I want to quit, but I can't. I would say once you stop focusing on the idol, like the number on the scale or the body image you see in the mirror, when you're focusing on those things, you are unable to see what God really wants to show you. So for instance, I remember October, 2016, I was in a weight loss program and I kid you not, I was doing everything right. 
and the scale was going up. You know, how disastrous, that's the last thing, you know, we want to see how discouraging. Mm -hmm. And it was discouraging. But you know what? That brought me to the Lord. God, what is happening? I'm doing everything right. I'm following the plan. And in my, in a, you know, still small voice of the Lord, um, he said to me, basically, I have to lay down my idols, my idol of what I wanted my body to look like, what I wanted that number to look like on the scale. And literally, I mean, just telling me, do not go into any other diet program, do not spend money on any other thing. And then I'm like, okay, Lord, uh, that means I'm just, I'm going to gain 300 pounds if I don't do something. What do you say? We do nothing. <laughs> you know how we argue when someone tells us, well, how do you, what are we supposed to do? Right. Um, so I, I didn't do it. And a few months, by the end of that year, I got really, 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 really sick with many different symptoms like fatigue, migraines, tingling in my hands, nausea, bloating. All of these things were happening at one time. And Come January, I went to every specialist I can think of because I'm like, what's going on? Do I have an ass? I went to a neurologist, got an MRI in my brain. Mm -hmm. I went to a rheumatologist. It is with the rheumatologist when she did the, did the blood test that I found out that I have fibromyalgia and celiac. So the point is, if I had kept on focusing on, oh, my stomach's bloated, I have to lose 10 pounds. If I'm always focusing on that, I never would have come to the real problem. Mm. Do you know if you have an allergy to gluten, do you know one thing that it does to your body? It causes you to bloat. So all along I'm thinking, what is my problem? I'm bloating, I got to lose weight when I need to be cutting out gluten in my diet. When we focus on the little God of the scale, the number, the body image, the clothes we can't fit into, we are probably missing a deeper root problem that is causing us not to lose weight, that is causing us to be sick, or whatever that is, it's causing us to be irritable. So that gives God a chance uh, to speak to us and connect the dots when we don't look at the scale or body image. Even in the overeating, it's like we're not giving God space to speak to us because we're sort of quote unquote drunk on food. We can't comprehend what God is trying to say to us. The idea of even connecting God to our food consumption seems foreign, at least in my own life, until I've spent time reflecting through your book and talking with other people about it. And I think even in the church today, we'll hear a lot about other types of dangerous or destructive habits. And it sometimes seems like there's crickets about the sin of overeating. I mean, even just to call it a sin, I think, is maybe even a new concept to some people who haven't viewed their struggle in that particular way. Why do you think the church today seems to remain relatively silent on this issue of overeating? Well, I think because I don't think we really believe that overeating is a spiritual issue. We see it only as a physical or health issue, right? So we search out a diet plan to fix it. It's not only a physical problem, it is also a mental and a spiritual problem. Um, I don't know if you remember the book. Jerry Bridges uh, wrote a book called Respectable Sins, Confronting the Sins We Tolerate. So overeating is one of those sins we tolerate. I mean, we have, you know, churches can be, be enablers, right? We have food at every meeting we have, you know, these potlucks. And just like at work, too. I mean, it, it can happen at work, too. But the church, I think, we just don't see it as a spiritual problem. Kind of like alcohol. If you think about the church, the church is not a spectator sport. 
we are not to come to church and just sit there and receive a sermon and then leave for another six days and come back and do it again. We all have gifts and talents that we are to implement in the church. And when we are stuck in a sin, any sin, but okay, let's talk about, you know, overeating a sin of overeating. You are unmotivated to serve in the church. It makes you feel inadequate. It makes you feel self-conscious. Sometimes we don't want to go to church on Sunday because of the way we ate that weekend and we're all bloated, right? And we don't want to go to church and, yeah. and have people see us gain all this weight. Mm-hmm. You know, think about COVID, you know, COVID-19 is like now that the church, churches are opening, some of us don't want to return because we have to get rid of our 19 pounds of COVID weight that we gained. Yeah, so true. You know, so it's a real thought in our, in our heads that we have to battle, but yeah, the church is hard sometimes because even with leadership, people bring the food at the meetings. I don't know why they don't address it when, you know, you can look at someone outwardly. If you're overweight, you could say, oh, they must have a problem with overeating and look at a skinny person. I think that they don't, which is not necessarily true. There are some small people who are bingers who overeat. Mm -hmm. So that's a topic that, that pastors should think about, especially when we, if they're, preaching expositionally they're going to get to it yeah so but yeah I, I don't remember a message on that topic well we've spent about half our conversation really helping us to have a better understanding of what overeating is how the bible informs our perspective on that particular struggle so i wonder if we could introduce and have uh, maybe some good news enter into the conversation because you know what we were talking about is hard stuff and i think for some people they may be hearing it for the first time and that we don't want to leave people feeling hopeless or helpless for change if they begin to recognize yeah this is at work in my life and i don't really know what i'm supposed to do about it i wonder if you might spend a few minutes just to help us understand understand how the gospel applies to this particular problem. Yes, Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not be master over you. You are not under law, but under grace. Hey, that is the gospel right there. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This whole passage is saying you were once dead to sin before you became a believer. And when when we are believers, we are alive to God. That means that Whatever sin issue we are struggling with, we can actually overcome it by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we have the tools and resources, the spiritual tools and resources to actually overcome overeating. I know it feels impossible. It feels like I'm never going to get over this. I would like to say, don't think of it as getting over, like I conquered it, it's no longer an issue for me. Similar to alcoholics, they may be like, 130 days sober, they count those days, but they still know I cannot go to a bar. I cannot take a sip of that alcohol. I cannot hang out with certain friends. So with food, it's more difficult because we have to eat. We have to be around food. We don't have to eat that cake. We don't have to eat all of that ice cream. We don't have to eat what we've been eating. So we don't have to go to food for comfort. We are to go to Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel gives us. We are free. We are free. And sometimes you have to remind yourself that you have to tell yourself that, that, Hey, I'm free in Christ. My mind needs to be renewed. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, I would say kind of gives us a formula and it's not exactly, but 
it talks about putting off the old, renewing your mind, and putting on the new. That's the power we have in Jesus Christ. So we can put off the old. Our overeating behavior is characteristic of our old selves. It's like, no, this is not who we are. Renewing your mind is reminding you, this is not who we are. We have power in Jesus Christ. Telling yourself the truth, recognizing the lies, reminding yourself of scriptures like the whole of Romans chapter six, Mm -hmm. telling you of the hope that we have in Christ that, okay, I don't know how to get out of this, but I know that I can because of Jesus Christ. He's going to show me how, how me individually, uniquely me, not Mm -hmm. doing everybody else is doing, but what is he saying to me? So that is the hope that I have. There's a possibility for discouragement as we try to learn how to put on the new and to put off the old. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, actually, uh, you reminded me of still Romans 6, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. And one thing I want to point out, when we are stuck in our sin, any sin, talking about overeating, that means that we are away from God. God didn't go anywhere. So that means that we are not going to God. So if you think about, even in this little passage here, it says, you know, we are to present ourselves to God not necessarily inviting him into our mess. It is, I'm in a mess. I need to go into, into the presence of God. I need to seek God. I need to go to him. That way it's, it's not us. The focus is so much on us when the focus needs to be on God and who he is and the power that is in him. So it is an indication that there's a breakdown in our relationship with God. Any sin that we're struggling with or any sin that has overtaken us means that there's a breakdown in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that's where we need to begin looking instead of another diet plan. Yeah, that's such a good insight. We never come to a point in our Christian life, whatever sin we may be struggling with, where repentance isn't required. I think sometimes I get discouraged thinking, oh man, I need to keep repenting of this. I should just be at a point where I just don't do it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But in the meantime, we just keep on repenting and asking God for help. And and hopefully incrementally, we're just being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And um, and that God is helping us to make better choices and to, like you said, present ourselves to him. I love that reminder. I think it's a it's a great encouragement. In the book, you shared with the reader something that was really insightful. I wanted to see if you would share with us today in this conversation. You write, quote, you must be aware and alert to the evil trinity in the Christian's life. I have never heard that term evil trinity before, but I thought it was super helpful. So would you take a few minutes to explain what you meant by it? Yes, I'm definitely not making up another doctrine. <laughs> but I'm simply looking at what's in the word of God and putting one, two, three together. For instance, we have the world, the flesh, and the devil. That fight against us. And if we look at first John chapter two, fifteen and sixteen, it says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. So the enticement of the world, I think, 
we can all understand how that relates to our issue with overeating. So we have body image issues. We look at, you know, in the past, I would say magazines, but now we look at Instagram and all the social media where we see the perfect person with the perfect body, the perfect clothes. We all want to look like that. You know, we look, so the world really entices us, right? We want to buy those diet plans. We want to buy that exercise program because it's talking about our wants. It's connecting to our desires. So that's what the world, it, it entices us. And we know right here in the scripture that God is saying, do not love that stuff. Do not love that stuff. That is not of me. That loving that stuff, it just beats the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the cultural pride of life. And the other second one is the stubbornness of the flesh. We see this in Romans 8, 7, and 8. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The stubbornness says, I want what I want, and I want it now. So another aspect is, I'm going to do this diet, and I'm going to succeed. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be so disciplined, it's going to work. Mm -hmm. And we do it, and we find out that we can't keep it up. It's not sustainable. It is not able to do so because we're doing it in our own flesh. And then the third one, the craftiness of the devil. Look at John 8, verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Wherever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And he's the prince of the world. So what does the world tell us? Hey, if you do this plan, all of your dreams will come true. If you do this diet, you can look like this woman. If you become a part of this program, this exercise program, this is what your body can look like. So it's telling us lies all the time, the devil, and it feeds our flesh and so it's all this, this trinity, you know, is going on. And I can't find the scripture right now and I can't quote it, but somewhere in the scriptures, it says, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. That means that all we need is Jesus Christ. It's like, when we look at this evil trinity, it's like, how in the world can we ever succeed in anything? It's because Jesus Christ is more powerful than all of those. He has power over the world, over your flesh over the devil, but you know what? We have to do it his way. That means we have to stay so close to him so that we will know what he's saying. In this moment, Lord, I am totally stressed out. This person is really causing great anxiety in me. And all I want to do right now is eat this cake. A lot of times we don't stop and pray. And if we have the knowledge that, hey, wait a minute, this is sin. Like we've been working on this issue. We realize this is sin. And I realized my triggers. I realized my triggers uh, that cause anxiety, that causes stress. And with this trigger, this trigger makes me want to go and eat this pie. Instead, of, we don't talk about, oh, asparagus and salmon. We don't run to that. We run to the stuff that's going to give us a high, at least a psychological high, uh, sometimes a physical high. But it's the saltiness sweetness that we run to. And that means that we are believing the lies that the devil, the world, 
our own selves tell ourselves. But in that moment, we can go to Jesus Christ and ask him to help us. And when you think of him, this is how powerful the mind is. This is why he says, renew the mind. When we think of him and who he is and what he's done, the fact that we are free, that I am not a slave to this overeating, in that moment, you have the Holy Spirit. There's just like a, I like to call it a spiritual transaction that takes place that we can't see. And all of a sudden, you're like, I can walk away. The craving's still there, but I can literally walk away. Or think of this. In that moment, God allows your friend to call you at that very second. And you pick up the phone. It's like, oh, that's all you're thinking. I'm not going to pick that up because she's just going to annoy me. She's going to stop me from doing what I want to do. But then you pick it up. <laughs> you pick it up and you're like, oh, you just don't know how close I've come to falling again. And that friend can pray for you. So God gives us rescue, right? I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He provides a way of escape. So it's trusting and believing that he wants you to be set free and not trapped. So that's the hope that we give. Well, you just started alluding to some practical helps, friendship and accountability with other people who are checking in on you or someone you can turn to for prayer. So can you maybe spend a few minutes to offer some more practical biblical wisdom on the topic of just how can we combat this on a daily basis? What does that battle even look like? Well, I, I think of uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 21, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed the evil thought. So this is like, it's totally opposite of what we think we should do. When you think about practical help, you think, okay, give me my diet plan. Give me the to-do list. I can do it. Just tell me what to do. And we, you know, we think that's, that makes us feel better. I think that's where we are to go. But I, you know, in biblical counseling, you know that we have to get to the root issue in order to change we need to get to the root issue. I tell you, um, your, the interview you did with Brad Bigby, he was talking about change. Listen to that episode because he talked about this very thing and how do we change. You have to get to why you're doing what you're doing. I like to say that the weight on the scale, the overweightness or the not wanting to go to a reunion, all of these things are just signs and symptoms of a problem, of a core problem. Just like if we had cancer in our bodies and we're seeing these symptoms, it's like, okay, well, this is here. I have pain here. I have pain there. If they just treat the pain, you'll never get to the source of the problem. So you know that that pain is just an indicator. We need to find the source. Same thing here. You're overeating. You can't stop. Okay, let's not just brush it over with a diet plan or exercise. Let me get back to this routine that I've always done over and over again. Like, no, let's get to the root. Let's root this sucker out. You know, let's root this, get to the root and find out why is this an issue for you? So that's the first thing I would get to the root. You have to ask yourself questions that can be done between you and the Lord. The Holy Spirit is definitely able to reveal to you some core stuff that's going on. You can actually read some books on it that will help you get to the root of it. You can get biblical counseling, because sometimes we need someone else to ask us questions to draw out the deep things that's in our hearts. Sometimes it's hard to do on our, on our own. Accountability person is great. So when you are doing those practical things, like I'm in the grocery store now, I need to call my friend because I'm hungry and I know I don't supposed to go grocery shopping when I'm hungry. 
So get somebody on the phone and as you walk through the grocery store, so you don't buy all that junk that you normally buy, just think of just, you know, fighting for your life. What are you going to do when you fight for your life? You think of very creative things to help you not do it. And why? Because I want to glorify God in my body. That's what he wants us to do. First Corinthians 10, 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So we have to be honest when we are thinking about our physical health. If you're stuck in this sin, the first thing you're, you're not thinking about is glorifying God and how you eat. You're thinking about, I want to lose weight. I want to look good in these clothes by this certain date. Okay, that's, confess that. Confess, Lord, this is my motive. It is true. And then repent, biblical repentance is acknowledging and agreeing with God that this is sin. You know, that's a stumbling block sometimes because some people don't believe that is actually a sin. So you have to be convinced of it before you can truly repent of something. Do you really believe this is a sin? Okay, yes, this is a sin. Okay, I know that I have to turn away from it. Does it mean that, okay, perfectly, I will never commit this sin again? No, it is the, the attitude of the heart. You're broken in your heart because God, this is a struggle that I'm, I'm sinning against you. It is preventing me from having a close connection with you. It really, sin does that. So overeating does that too. So it's like, I don't want to be distant from you. God, I want to remain close to you. So I'm going to fight. I'm going to put in parameters, whatever I have to do. I'm going to do it. So that's where I would say that's how practical is not easy. And it is a battle. It is a battle, but it is a, it is a battle worth fighting because you have nowhere else to go but destruction. Shannon, you know, we've actually through this whole conversation continue to talk about God's glory and the fact that when it comes to overeating, some of us listening to this podcast may have never thought about God's glory and the food that we put in our mouths or our choices that we make as being something that is related at all, to be honest with you. So maybe if you could just summarize again, because we've kind of sprinkled it throughout the conversation, but before we before we get close out our talk today, if you could just recap, what does God's glory have to do with our eating habits? Wow. What does God's glory have to do with our eating habits? So think of it like this. I already read 1 Corinthians 10.31, and we know that verse, but do we really think about whether we eat or drink, do all for the glory of God? It's like, yeah, 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 it sounds nice. And we just don't connect the dots. Uh, we have to admit, again, that overeating basically represents nothing good. What good does overeating bring? What does that really show? Overeating, it's indulgence, it's greed, it's false comfort, it's false security. It brings nothing good. It's only there to hurt us. So our eating habits can glorify God by us being a good steward of our bodies, you know, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we overeat, we are abusing our bodies. We are harming our bodies. And you may say, well, that was just one night. Yeah, but that sugar does have an effect. It could have made you irritated. And especially over time, what happens to your body. So we're not being good physical stewards of our bodies when we are overeating. So we can glorify God in our bodies by taking care of this temple, just like we take care of our kids. We know if we neglect our kids, we know that is sinful. We know that does not glorify God. But for some reason, when it comes to our bodies, ourselves, we 
don't see it, but you know, our bodies are temporary. We are borrowing our bodies to do what God is calling us in ministry. So when you overeat and you get sick, you cannot do what God is calling you to do. If you're trying to write, you know, with Christine, we know writing can be very difficult when you're completely healthy. <laughs> Imagine if you just ate a bunch of crap, crappy food, and now you're fatigued, you got brain fog, you're not gonna be able to do anything. Suppose your ministry is more physical, like you're working with kids, and here you are supposed to be their mentor coach on a sports team or something that, you know, like in Awana, you know, like they're playing around, and you're too heavy and tired to participate. You know, that's not glorifying God. Even in your work, if your overeating has called physical problems or mental problems, and you're not able to do your work, so therefore you go on, to, on disability, that doesn't glorify God if it's due to what you've done to your body. So that's very important and how, and connecting the fact that, hey, I suppose I glorify God in my body. Shannon, we have time for one more question, and this has just been a really encouraging conversation. Even though it's hard, it's hard truths to hear, but I think it's helpful. Um, at least it has been for me. So I want to wrap us up by inviting you to do something that I ask every guest of the Hope and Help podcast to do, which is to speak directly to the audience. There may be someone listening to this episode who believes that they have that kind of slave-master relationship with food. They feel enslaved to food. Food is their master. And the battle has been going on for so long that they struggle to believe they can ever experience freedom in this area. So what would you say to this listener to encourage them to trust Christ for the power and the help that they need to break free? Yes. Well, first believe that you are no longer a slave. So that lie you are believing, oh, I can never overcome this. That's a lie from the pit. So first of all, you have to believe uh, what God believes, what God says, and you confess, you confess the sin. Yes, this is a sin. I have been indulging in this sin and repent of it. Repent of the sin of overeating. That does not mean, okay, now I'm going to go out and never overeat again. No, it starts with the heart. God, I'm agreeing with you that this is sin and I need your help. Help me to turn this around. I know things are habitual. And it takes time to break habits. So I would say give yourself grace in this process. I mean, you're not going to do it right first time or perfectly. So remember that I can, I, I'm always going back to repenting and receiving his grace. And I would say uh, you have not truly repented if you are only sorry for the consequences of overeating. Like, oh, I did it again. Now I'm bloated. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry, God. Now, true repentance means turning your heart completely away from this sin to God and, and, and trusting him for that. And actually, this is in 1 John 1, 9, confess all your sins and he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when you're confessing and repenting, also know that you are to receive his forgiveness, that you may think, oh, I keep doing this again and again, and you're beating yourself up. It's like, God's never going to help me with this. That's not true because he forgives when you repent. Does it matter how many times God did not put a limit on his, you know, get, dishing out forgiveness when we repent? So he wants you to. And think about this. What if the 1,000th 
time you repent of this, that's when your breakthrough comes. That's when you finally say, I am done. I am tired of this. I am done. I'm never, you know, that can actually happen. But if you stop repenting because you feel like I'm doing this too much, God's not going to hear me. That's not true. Keep going. Keep going to God. Keep repenting. Keep receiving his forgiveness. And the third thing I would say is to have a thankful heart. You can truly walk in thankfulness instead of greed. Think about that food. If we really think about it, it's like, I'm about to indulge here. I'm going to truly be a glutton. In that moment, it's hard to be thankful, right? So think of thankfulness as a spiritual weapon. So when you get food, when you're around food, you want to be thankful, offer that up to God. Just make it a moment, a relational moment with him. When you know that you can't do that and you know you're going to indulge anyway, that's when you call up a friend or lifeline, say like, that's not available. I went and did it anyway. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, you do it. Afterwards, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to confess and repent because God is not going to let you stay in that. And it's like, well, I'm just going to do it again. But how do you know? Maybe that, you know, that 100th time, at that moment, your heart will absolutely change. So you, it's like you have no option but to keep going back to him in your sin. He doesn't tire of us like humans do, right? If, if, if Christine, if I sin against you over and over again, at some point, you're going to stop talking to me because you're going to be done. It's like, why? It's like, I'm done. I'm done with it. Okay, God doesn't do that. He's not done with us. So we can keep going to him over and over again, trusting that at some point, this will never be an issue again. Well, thank you, Shannon, for giving those encouragements. Again, I'm just so thankful for this conversation. I feel just personally very encouraged by what you have shared and just to to know how much the Bible really does speak to this issue. This is not something that God's word neglects. In fact, it regards it as a very serious problem that the Lord offers hope and help for. And so I think just even coming to that recognition of realizing that the Bible does give us guidance in this area and that we are free to choose. I think that's another mind shift is that we we really are free to choose. And it's putting that into practice by presenting ourselves to God where we really start to see a meaningful change take place over time. So I'm just thankful for this. And I wanted to remind the listener that Shannon's mini book, Help, I'm a Slave to Food, it's a lifeline mini book. And we're going to have other authors from that series join the podcast in the coming months as well. But that is a great resource. If you're listening to this conversation and you feel convicted, you feel encouraged, you're like, you know what, I want to face this head on this problem that I'm having with overeating, I would really encourage you to get a copy of Shannon's mini book. It's not very long, but it is, it's short and powerful. There's application questions, recommended reading that you can explore on, on your own. And so I would encourage that as a resource to you to get started on your journey with Christ to address the problem of overeating. But Shannon, I also want to give you the opportunity to connect with the audience. Maybe there's someone listening who wants to get connected with the different things that you have going on. I know you're a writer, you blog, and also a biblical counselor. So where can the audience go online to, to find you and learn more about your ministry? The easiest place to go is to a website that my dear friend Jamie created for me. And it is simply shannonkmccoy.com, Shannon, S-H-A-N-N-O-N-K-A-Y-M-C-C-O-Y, shannonkmccoy.com. Uh, that is where I just have everything that I've, that I've done, 
uh, I posted some of my blogs from biblicalcounselingcoalition.com. That's mainly where I blog, so you can find some of my writing there. So yeah, that's, that's the main place you can find me. Awesome. Well, if you are interested in getting connected with Shannon, you can scroll down to the show notes for this episode. Click the link that is there. It will take you to a page on the IBCD website where you can access the link to Shannon's website, but also to her mini book. And so those resources are available to you to explore if that's something of interest to you. Shannon, thank you so much for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to join us for this conversation. It's such an important topic. And I just, for me personally, I feel like I've really learned a lot through reading your mini book and having this discussion. So I'm thankful for you and for your ministry and just the fact that you took time to join us today to talk about this. Well, thank you for inviting me, Christine, and you keep doing a fabulous job. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why not subscribe to the podcast? That way you'll be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help podcast a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help podcast.